0: Welcome to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. I am Josh Roop, here with my co-captain, Scott Larson. Howdy ho. And we are bringing you episode number five. We're going to talk about some tournaments today, and we brought the man with the plan, Mr. Dan Newman. How are you doing today, Dan?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. Well, we appreciate you coming on. We wanted to talk some tournaments, and we know you're the guy around here that has pretty much started the tournament scene and got it up and going. Um, but before we get into that, I kind of want to know what got you into pinball.
1: Well, I've been playing pinball for a long time. So I, 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 don't know. My, my family would always take us bowling and, uh, they were, they were league bowlers and we'd always play pinball while they, uh, while the, uh, men folk were bowling. So, um, and then, uh, played a lot of pinball in my teenage years as well. Um, then my family opened a laser tag place. We had pinball there. Played a lot of pinball, um, and then uh, kind of reconnected to uh, to pinball uh, when I got into kind of arcade collecting and and pinball machines, and then uh, realized that uh, Salt Lake had no uh, competitive pinball scene to speak of. So I really wanted to play tournaments. I didn't necessarily want to throw tournaments or. Organize a pinball scene, but uh, I just wanted to play in one.
2: <laughs> so, okay. So, when did you actually decide I want to be social and play and organize this? It sounds like you've been in pinball for such a long time, but when did you say, okay, I'm going to take it to the next level and actually start contacting different people, and figuring out what to do?
1: So, back when we started the Slap Group, which is the Salt Lake area pinballers. Um, And I say we because, you know, I, 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 it's, it takes a bunch of people, you know, so I, there's nothing I did alone, uh, because it it was about organizing a a community. Sure. The Royal Um, We. The Royal We, exactly. And, and, uh, I I was on side and, uh, Jeff Rivera, who does the pinball podcast, and, uh, and, uh, I eventually learned Eric, um, uh, 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 no no um another eric uh schaefer okay. um would uh oh, yeah. did a um what, what's that uh, charity that uh, puts pinball machines in hospitals uh project pinball yes um yes they they did a fundraiser for for project pinball and it i just it was a weird thing i happened to see the day before um that this tournament was going on in utah and so I got my buddy Josh Craig, who is uh, my partner in crime uh, with the pinball organization now, and our other buddy Jason, and, and we all three went up there. And there were about I don't know ten of us, and it was probably the first pinball tournament in ever in Utah. I mean, it, it was it, it it was I don't think Jeff had done another one. That was the that was the first one, um, and it we're was so certainly much in fun. the
2: modern era.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, as far as I know, it, it was it was. I don't know of any other pinball tournaments ever in Utah.
2: Um, I, I have a flyer downstairs that I got that has a pinball uh, advertising for a pinball tournament in 1982. But that's just random.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, I missed that one. <laughs> well, we were seven, so yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even born yet,
0: so I think I have a good excuse. I was nine. (laughs) There's
2: no
1: excuse. No No. excuse. So anyway, we we had a blast, um, and I I always wanted to do a pinball league. And so uh, I just started collecting names. I wanted to get up to 16 people, and, I mean, it took about a year of asking people one at a time, are you in, are you in, are you in? And we started the very first, uh, slap league, um, which we are just getting ready to, we're just going on season four now. So it, it was about three years ago. And some of the people that joined thought they were joining a drinking league, uh, <laughs> where, where people just sometimes play pinball, but, uh, we, we eventually uh, found the real true pinball players and, and, uh, you know we've had turnover to find the right exact people but now we have people that are super into pinball uh which is, I, I think is great so
0: so is that what made you decide to do all this tournament stuff is you just wanted to see a scene here in in salt lake yeah or? i
1: just wanted a scene and, and we played that first season of of the league and that was great and then uh we wanted to you know kind of keep the momentum not let it die so we started doing kind of monthly tournaments. Uh, That was the uh, Slap Ass Series, the Salt Lake Area Pinballers Awesome Summer Series. Uh, Slap Ass for short. Um, Very nice. I think that's when I got involved. Yep, yeah. yeah, I think uh, that's when Scott... And and we've just kind of collected people that are that like-minded people that are interested in pinball and kind of grown and we have you know close to 200 people that have that have joined us or you know or in our private facebook group or have come out to our events so it's it's uh it's it's been fun what were the
0: amount of people that were showing up to the first tournaments when you when you started getting it going
1: uh we we were in that 20-ish range, um, 16 to 20. I mean, it was the league members and, uh, um, and, and their wives and, and, you know, we've had to collect people, uh, and we try to, you know, we really, each event, you know, has between 20 and 30 people. The numbers haven't changed all that much. Um, you know, not everybody can make every event. So we, we have, uh, a lot of different people making them, and we do a lot of different events now. I mean, we're doing—we uh, probably did twenty, twenty-five uh, different different things last year. So, which is which is kind of a lot. So,
2: now, Dan, when you were starting, was this more of a like a home league? Because really, until recently, there really hasn't been a lot of great location pinball in Utah. There's been a few holdouts here and there. But not really a lot of places to say yes. They have great, great, uh, well-maintained machines that can actually handle a higher level of player, as opposed to the the broken flipper and the uh, you know the slingshot that's uh, not working.
1: Uh, we have certainly played on a lot of broken machines, <laughs> so that's kind of just the. Uh, Uh, that, the first year we played at twists, we played at campfire lounge, we played at nickel mania. Um, we played it a few home collections. Um, uh, and there's a lot of great home collections out there. And, uh, so, and I think that first league we only did like 10 weeks, I think was total. Um, Mm -hmm. And we may have even played at the same location like Nickelmania, a couple times or something. Um, but we kind of alternated between private and public locations. I think we played five private and five public. So it, I assume it was pretty intimidating starting this all
0: up. Um, what would some of your advice be to those that who want to start up their own tournaments?
1: Um, well, I mean, there's two... I, I don't think necessary rep i i sure did step the hardest way possible um <laughs> without a doubt uh i didn't i had never played a pinball tournament i had never uh other than that one uh with jeff you know i'd never gone out of state and played in one or or really seen one or knew how one how they were supposed to run uh that was done a simple like double strike tournament or triple strike tournament i believe um so I didn't know what the heck I was doing uh, when we made our league uh, format. Um, it was it was a format that uh, no one had ever done before, <laughs> uh, apparently because we didn't know what we were doing. We just came up. You know, I come from a bowling background, so I I did it like a bowling league uh, where you have mandatory attendance. Uh, we did some weird things where we played best two games, uh, you know, a match would be two games, but you would not only get a point for each game, but then you'd add up the total, the total points from the two games. You get an extra point for the series. Um, and so that's kind of our league format and, uh, uh, uh Joe, um, uh, Shobble, Shobble, uh, is the, uh, Free State Pinball Association guy and he's been he's been awesome to work with with the IFPA and, and uh papa.org. Um they they made software for us and and uh, were kind enough to make a custom rule set just for our league, which I'm sure took a lot of time, uh, and it's great software and and we just love it. So um, Anyway, I, I would definitely contact them. Uh, they've been nothing but, you know, kind and accepting, and and uh, help pull me from knowing nothing to knowing uh, a little more than nothing, <laughs> barely. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I
2: one thing. That... Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I, you know, I don't really. Sh- Hopefully, we, where everybody else is starting, there's some form of pinball. Uh, league or competition but they're just there wasn't really in utah um when we got going and so i just collected emails and, and names so that that's my best suggestion is get emails you you can do a big group email invite people um you know find a home base you want to play out of and play you know just you know make friends
2: i think it seems like uh nowadays as opposed to even five years ago, there seems to be a lot more of an online community that's developed in giving advice about how to uh, e- either do like a, a mega league or a home league. Or um, there's a lot of these basement leagues that's go around where if you have six people or five people, you can do that. And actually, you can customize it depending on your uh, situation. Even if you have just a few guys who have a few games, you could still... Uh, get something going on a reasonable level, um, that I think is different than it was even five, 10 years ago, uh, without the online community.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I mean, the internet is a very valuable resource. Uh, and the information was available. I wish, I wish I could say I use that. Uh, but now I came up with crazy, crazy rules for tournaments and, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in leagues. And, and now that I travel around and see, you know, kind of the formats that everybody pretty much uses uh, you know, I've, I've kind of stolen some of those cause Hey, they're good. Who would have thought they had experience and, and had already gone through these uh, <laughs> trial and error processes uh, you know, decades ago. So,
2: well, so going through that, you talk about all the challenge, like some of the things that you, you know, you, you kind of blaze your own path Looking back and say you were able to contact Dan five years ago, what are three pieces of advice that you would say, hey, you should do it this way or you should use this resource?
1: I, I would say buy more machines five years ago. <laughs> that would have been my number one thing because, uh, uh, as we all know, they have they they got expensive fast. Um, but uh, I, I would have probably told myself don't reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, as far as collecting the scene together, I don't know if there's any other way than just how we did it. I mean, some of our core members, uh, the guys that put in the most time, we just randomly found out as a group playing and said, Hey, are you into pinball? We're into pinball. Come play with us, you know? And, uh, and I don't, I don't know. The group kind of behaves more like a family, I think, uh, I mean, we all travel together now, th- and, and
2: th- uh, dysfunctional and drinking heavily. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, and the other question I had too was: the IFPA even around back then when you guys started oh, yeah. up? Did they have? Because I know that they've got some some rules and stuff that they can help you with. There some game formats, but was that a resource you guys
1: used uh, back then? You know, I certainly read all the rules and and took the stuff that I thought applied to the first league. Um, and that's kind of the rule set we've used for tournaments and whatnot since then. Um, and yeah, they were definitely around, I mean, the IFPA; those guys are saints, uh, the amount of work they do to, to keep the steam going in in the country and in the world for no money for free, uh, all this time, the, the, the sharps are a godsend to pinball and, uh, you know. I know there was a lot of uh, hubbub about the dollar dollar ahead per tournament, um, you know, that they started a year or two ago, a year ago, I guess. Um, but I think uh, they have every right to do that. And they, if if they asked for a dollar ahead just to go into their own pockets, I'd be for it. But uh, no, they put it all back in and still work like slaves for free. So um, anyway, I, I always give it up to the to the uh, the sharp brothers and, and, uh, you know, of course, their dad, Roger Sharp.
2: Yeah, I I would completely agree with that. I I think that um, certainly we all know about the shot that saved pinball with Roger, but um, everything that his uh, sons have done, uh, you know, Josh and Zach, it's been amazing finding out how much work they actually do just because they feel invested in it. Uh, I can't imagine that. And um, sadly, they probably get a lot more flack than they get gratitude. Uh, but think of everything that Josh has done, just in addition to his full-time job, which isn't even related to pinball, for him to keep the scene going. It's really has started developing the second renaissance in pinball that you know we had the, um, the, the glory years of the 90s. But then I think that their efforts have directly impacted over the last 10 years uh, this um, revival of pinball that really it's reached levels that weren't previously felt past the 70s, really.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, I think competitive pinball, uh, I don't know if it'd be around uh, if it wasn't for for the Sharp brothers. Um, and I, I, I know how much work you know uh josh craig and, and myself have done putting tournaments together just in one place um and they do that all over the country and all over the world the amount of data entry just logistics dealing with just drama and bs is, is mind-boggling and uh i mean everybody that's that's into pinball uh, owes them a debt of gratitude for sure i i I think they've, they have competitive pinball is healthier now than it ever was at any point in history. I think
2: it it certainly is different now because even talking with, uh, when Keith Elwin talked about just getting into the scene, there was like one tournament a year. And so you would play in that one tournament and then you'd, um, then you just perseverate over the next year about what you messed up on. I think with the world shrinking with the uh, interconnectivity of the web, it's allowed all these kind of niche interests to be able to share information and actually mobilize efforts in a way that wasn't available 10 years ago, really. Um, and so I, I think that absolutely um, the competitive scene in the last three years is probably vastly superior and vastly over the top compared to what it was in the previous 100 years of pinball
0: for sure. I totally agree with that. Well, one thing I want to talk about, Dan, is you and Josh have been doing this granddaddy of a tournament. It's what I'm going to call it, because it's it's massive, and it blows my mind that you guys do this every year. Um, But let's talk about the Salt Lake Gaming Con. That's coming up here in the end of June. And last year, you had over 150 people participate in the tournament.
2: Yeah, Dan, uh, say the dates, too. So if anybody's listening to it, they could think, hey, if I'm in the Utah area and I'm available, I can come and actually participate in this tournament because it's pretty mind-boggling what you do.
1: So the uh, Salt Lake Gaming Con is June 27th, 28th, 29th. That's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, They've expanded to three days this year uh, versus the the two days that the uh, Gaming Con is traditionally... um, you know, been on. Uh, And they moved weekends to, um, instead of 4th of July weekend, to the week before. So that's a better weekend. And they're doing it actually at a bigger venue, uh, although it's hard to believe it's bigger than, you know, the venues uh, they were using because it's been massive. Uh, But they're doing it at the Salt Palace uh, Convention Center this year in in downtown Salt Lake City. So, Um, and uh, for those that don't know about it, it's a fantastic gaming convention there's there's they fill up you know a hundred thousand square feet maybe two hundred thousand square feet it's it's enormous uh they have all sorts of things for kids to do for uh um you know Fortnite type gaming smash brothers type gaming you know professional uh gamers come in uh celebrities uh you know, the live action role playing, the axe throwing, the all sorts of crazy stuff. But uh, we got involved a couple of years ago um, and uh, c- kind of uh, we've kind of adopted it as uh, Salt Lake's pinball show. Um, it's it's a it's a way for us to uh, basically there was no way to do a pinball convention in Utah. Uh, so uh, the numbers just aren't here um Somebody would lose a lot of money <laughs> running out, uh, trying to do a pinball show in Utah. Uh, but this convention was happening, and I happen to know the organizer, and, and he's a good friend of mine, and, and I said, hey, I think we could add value for each other. So uh, we came in and crowdsourced and, uh, and uh, just had people bring machines, and we have them on free play, and we do big tournaments. Um, it's a chance to, uh, he adds money and gives a surprise fund so we can keep them free entry. Um, the spring league has been uh, generous and has, uh, as part of our league dues, we pay an extra dollar a week, um, to, for that was supposed to go into the IFPA, but the IFPA changed their rules, uh, to where they only accept a dollar per head for the whole league. And so we had this extra money last year, and we uh, put it towards paying the dollar ahead for the gaming con, so everybody could come compete in uh, competitive pinball, and we and we still made it free for everybody. Uh, and we vote; we just took a vote last week to do the same thing, and everybody agreed. And and uh, so we're doing it again. You know, we've got close to two hundred dollars to pay uh, to pay everybody's uh, IFPA fees um, uh, for. Uh, for, for the gaming con. So we're planning on uh, doing a Charlie, um, uh, Charlie and the chocolate factory type theme. I think we're going to go with gnarly and the pinball factory and then uh, have five different uh, candy themed uh, pinball tournaments uh, throughout the course of the, uh, the convention. What possessed you to do something of this
0: caliber though? I mean, this show is pretty huge. I mean, I know the first year that we did it, it was, it was good, but I mean, last year, it was blown out of the park. We had JJ with uh, Game Exchange of Colorado come over. He brought 10, 12 pins with him, and it just it doubled in size last year. And from the sounds of it, it's going to double again the size this
1: year. Uh, you know, we hope so. We, we had, I think, 25 machines or so, 27 machines uh, the first year. Uh, last year, we had around 50 Um and you know you yourself josh is are, is being uh very modest uh, i mean you were instrumental in in contacting jj and kind of um getting the ball rolling for uh to get him involved in the show and and that gives us uh you know he's brought a whole bunch of games uh we got to play the prototype uh pirates of the caribbean which was uh, amazing and uh, as well as a lot of other machines um and we're hoping to just get bigger and better. Uh, and I have no idea what possessed me. Um, every, every year afterwards, my back, uh, is, is mad at me for wanting to, uh, move dozens and dozens of pinball machines. Um, it, it makes me respect, you know, the people that do put on these large pinball shows, uh, you know, like Pinberg, the, the amount of work it takes to move 500 pinball machines uh for a weekend and then move them back is is insane uh i i i know everybody that's moved just one pinball machine can can shake their head and go that's just nuts so
2: well dan you can see how often my collection changes over and that's because i don't want to take it down the stairs of death in my backyard so i can only imagine how that works um i I didn't i didn't know that you guys did that That you sponsored the uh uh, the ifpa dollar for these uh sign up uh, thing i i think that's such a great thing for you guys to do and um i haven't been able to participate in the league i've hosted a few times but i haven't been able to time wise i haven't been able to to participate on that level but i think that that says about the inclusivity of at least the salt lake area and being able to reach out and say hey We just want people to come. And I've really appreciated uh, the culture that we have here in that it seems like uh, we have a very diverse crowd. Uh, We're talking like diverse politically, diverse religiously, uh, uh, diversity in uh, like your typical uh, economic status. And it's so great because every time we come, no one cares. And the only thing you want to do is just play pinball and just talk and it feels like everybody's welcome. And I think that says a lot about how we've tried to develop the culture here and that there are no barriers. Um, I think that does such a good thing for the growth of the community. And certainly when I came into the community four years ago, I felt completely welcomed by everybody.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, we, we've certainly had very, very few problems Um you know, with with people, uh, you know, disagreements or whatnot, like that drama. Um, and I think everybody has a lot of fun. I hope everybody does. Uh, uh, and uh, it's been nice because uh, you know, really, it takes a lot of trust to invite a bunch of semi strangers into your home. You know, I mean, I make my my personal address known to <laughs> to the group, and in, and and uh, you know, the next tournament's actually coming up. Uh, we're gonna do it on April. 13th is going to be at my place um we're going to do a uh kind of a pinball poker hybrid um most mostly just pinball but uh you know a a little side thing where you get cards for uh for uh certain milestones of playing so
0: so everyone that just heard that even you guys in australia and in new zealand you're welcome to come to dan's house april 13th we're going to play some pinball and some poker
2: we're (laughs) we're expecting head-to-head to show up
0: You know what, dude, just get Marty some gin. He'll be fine. He'll, he'll show right up.
2: Well, Marty comes to Utah occasionally, which just seems so random, but, uh, anyway.
0: Well, I know we're running out of time with you, Dan. I know that you've got other stuff to do. Um, but is there anything you wanted to talk about before you head off?
1: Uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're still, we still got, uh, the Keto's monthly tournaments. We're still doing down at Keto's, um, on the first Tuesday every month, um, you know, we always want more people to, to come to that because it's a fun time. The machines are, are all discounted. Uh, it's a cheap tournament. It's a good, good way to get your, get your feet wet into, into tournament pinball. Uh, th- that's more of a head to head type format uh, where we kind of play like the, uh, the, the, the SCS is what they call it. I, I don't know the official name now, but basically the state championships and the, the national championships are coming up, but that's, those are more heads up formats where you get to choose gamer position and then you play heads up and then the loser chooses the next gamer position. You're playing best three, best five, best seven series. Um, And so, uh, so that's fun. And, and yeah, I hope uh, people come out to gaming con gaming con is the best deal in all of conventions, all of pinball. I think a whole Weekend pass for all three days costs like thirty bucks or something, thirty-five bucks. It's something super cheap. All the games are on free play. Uh, everything there is basically free. Um, they, they, I don't know how he, how they even survive because it's too good of a deal. You know. Uh, well, even if
0: you want to be even more cheap, don't we offer a deal to bring in pinball machines? If you bring
1: one or two pinball machines, you get free admission or something like that yeah, we actually give, uh, t- two tickets per pinball machine. Um, so, uh, so if you donate a pinball machine or, or, let a pinball machine get used at the show, you get, get, uh, uh, I think it's one or two tickets to, uh, for weekend passes to gaming con. So, um, so, so that's, that's great as well. So anybody that listening to this it's not, uh, that, that does, it hasn't contacted me, uh, directly, uh, feel free to contact, uh, you, Josh, or, or get, get involved with us on, uh, we're on Facebook at Salt Lake area pinballers. Um, you have to just do a search and it's a private group, so you can ask to join. Awesome, Dan. Well, we appreciate you coming on. You're welcome to hang
0: out if you want to, but we're going to, uh, kind of shift away from this topic. Like I said, I know that you've got other stuff to do, but. If you want to join in, we're still got stuff we're going to BS about. So,
1: guys, I, I have to run uh, tonight, but uh, I hope you have me back. I'd I'd love to just sit around and BS and talk pinball with you sometime.
0: I think it went great. I I'd be more than happy to have you back. So, what about you, Scott?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be back.
0: He was so quiet there for a second. I was like, I better check yeah. up on him.
1: I'm always happy to uh, you 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 tell me what next what theme you want to have next, Scott, and I'll. Uh, for our next tournament, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, we've just Scott makes a mean Conan, the barbarian,
0: uh, <laughs> we're going to have to, p- I've got to find that that's got to be the picture for this episode, man.
2: Oh yeah, no, it's awesome. I have it somewhere. <laughs> yeah I, I told him I, i'd host uh, league night if he made it uh, if he made me look like arnold schwarzenegger so uh about uh, an hour later i get a picture of me photoshopped. i mean not photoshopped me in a photo shoot uh with conan the ball <laughs> <laughs> so, it was fantastic oh it
1: was great that's kind of right, my there. calling card is is i like I like puns. So I I like pinball puns and acronyms. So if if you couldn't tell that already, well, Uh,
2: cheesy 80s mashups, my,
1: (laughs) my favorite
0: story is when Bowen came out here and he played in that tournament and he won, was it two years ago? And you hand bank the trophies. We don't buy these trophies. Dan goes out and makes all the trophies (laughs) for every tournament. And I can't remember what Bowen went home with, but it was a homemade trophy. He gets home and his wife's like, what is that? And he's like, it's my trophy. And she's like, that's not a trophy what is that
2: <laughs> yeah no it, it's great it, it, they're thrift thrift uh store creations with hot glue guns and uh, and they usually are so fantastic
1: <laughs> yeah that's uh that's that's another one of my hobbies besides puns is uh yeah crafting uh crafting uh thrift store and pinball parts and pieces into trophies. Uh so which I think should really catch on. But I, I think Bowen's wife was just jealous because that, that dragon trophy was gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> I want it We can ship it back if he if he doesn't want it. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to win it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's okay, Dan. I'll I'll make you one.
1: Thank you. I I, uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate that.
2: All right, Dan. Well, th- thanks again for coming on. Uh, get us the information. We'll put we'll link it in the uh, in our post or show notes. So.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Dan. You. Yep. See ya.
0: Well, Scott, that was an awesome little interview that we got to do there. Is there any highlights you wanted to point out?
2: No, I, I Dan's great. Uh, uh, any place that has a um, that wants to start a scene, you need to have someone like a Dan or someone who basically is willing to do a lot of uh, legwork and start up uh, a league. Um, and mainly, he hosts a ton of tournaments at his house. That doesn't necessarily have to be um, what people do—is open their house. Um, but it is kind of nice to have a home base to to develop a critical mass of people who are interested in doing those events. Um, so certainly he has done a, a lot for just growing the scene in Utah.
0: Oh, I totally agree. And and honestly, that's one of the reasons I kept coming back around. Dan's just a really nice guy and he made me feel welcome when I came to the tournament. I was really, really nervous my first time coming out because I'm driving three hours to come out to one of these tournaments and you don't know what you're going to get. And so it always, I was so, so nervous and man, Dan just, Acted like I had been there the whole time, and that I was part of the group. And it—I don't know. Dan's a good guy. You definitely need. Everyone needs a Dan in their tournament group because if if you have people like that, you're going to keep having good turnover, or not turnover. You're going to have good turnout.
2: Turnout. Turnout. Turn out. Yes. yes. So. Yes. No. I, well, no. I completely agree.
0: Well, I don't know about you, but the last couple of weeks have been pretty pretty interesting for both of us for uh, pinball.
2: Yeah. No. It, it's been kind of busy. Uh, what do you want to start with first? Do you want to talk about our Keto's night?
0: Yeah, let's talk about our Keto's night.
2: So uh, uh, actually, the um, the location we're talking about is uh, Dan knows uh, a bar owner and talked to him about putting some uh, pinballs on site. And I think they have about 10 to 12 there. Um, yeah, something
0: around there. Uh,
2: and so Josh and I uh, went out there last week and uh we were able to shoot monsters this is my first time actually getting my hands on the game uh first time playing monsters and getting some more time on deadpool and i will say that i was really impressed with monsters um what do, what did you think
0: you know this is the second time i've gotten my hands on monsters we put about 5 to 10 games on it i i love it i love the flow of it john borg man he's a genius when it comes to to his design, you know, I I I'd said on the last episode, some of its cookie cutter, but it's because he knows what he's doing. I mean, that those eddy loops are just fantastic. I just, it was enjoyable to play. I wasn't necessarily concerned about the code, because I was enjoying the shots. And the ramps are beautiful. I don't know, I just I love this game. It's a fun game. I, I don't know if I'll own it in my collection right now, because I've got a monster bash, and I do feel like they're very similar. But the shots man, they're just mm, they're perfect.
2: Yeah, I, I think the shots feel so uh, they feel fun and I, I guess that's my my biggest thing uh, when I play when I play something like Deadpool and it's probably speaks to more of my skill level than necessarily the game but it seemed like I kept bricking so many shots and uh, again I, admittedly I'm an average pinball player Um so it could just be that you know if if you're a better pinball player, it's going to flow better. Um, but when I get to when I got to monsters, um, I thought you know it just feels like the shots are where I expect them to be. Um, I also like when you really think about it, ramps are just filling the the time for the ball to get back to you. Um,
0: Correct. Yeah. Y-
2: you hit you hit the ramp, and it's just going to make its way back either to the flipper or something like that. And with Munsters, it felt fun seeing the ball go, and I think that tells a lot about your experience with the game. Is that does it feel fun? Does it feel like I'm just, you know, I'm just enjoying my time playing this game? Because the, the the basic feel of pinball really hasn't changed since the '90s, since they invented ramps, since they invented uh, games with themes, uh, code, level, and a storyline really you kind of dialed in and this is basically what you're going to expect with a pinball machine and if you're able to find a way to make that experience either unique or fun or visually tantalizing then i think that's going to bring you back and for me monsters brought me back Uh, i would play other games and i say you know i want to go back and play monsters
0: same here and i think the thing with monsters i'm really enjoying that actually Um, is, is better than monster bash is that left ramp on monsters. You kind of hold your breath. It's a steep ramp, but if you hit it, you kind of hold your breath. But once you see it get to the very top, you know, you're golden, you know, it's going to go, it's going to disappear. You don't have to worry about it coming screaming back at you. That's my one complaint about monster bash is you shoot that left ramp and there's sometimes you can shoot it as clean as possible and it gets all the way, it gets halfway around that ramp. And you, you think it's coming back to you and then it, for some odd reason screams back the other way. And yeah. so that is the one thing I do like about Munsters. And like, like to your point, I think there's two different styles of ramps out there. There's the fun ones like Munsters and then there's the Steve Ritchie business kind. I mean, that's those Star Trek ramps, they're quick. They give you those balls back because you want to keep playing. And Star Trek's a fantastic game. So I, I don't know. Like I said, I agree with you with Deadpool. I do enjoy it. I, I That's a game that I still don't feel like I've figured out yet. Um, we had a buddy down there named Mike, and he's actually our state champ right now. And he was blowing that game up. He was at, what, $450 million or something oh, yeah, like that? Oh,
2: yeah. No, no, he was crushing it. And he's such a great player. And, and, you know, he could nail that, that katana shot every time, which is – it's a hard shot.
0: It really is. Um, I didn't realize how hard that shot was.
2: So I, I think – again, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I – I don't want to come off and say that Deadpool's clunky because I think that's unfair. That actually speaks more of my skill level. But, you know, it's, uh, Munster's felt good and visually it looks great. Uh, I don't know what else you'd really want from that era of pin, like that type of pinball machine. Um, and yes, I think the, the Steve Ritchie games, they tend to keep the ball moving at the same velocity and so I think that is what dials in the feel of flow is that the ball really doesn't slow down; it just kind of keeps going, and so it feels very predictable, and it just feels like you're on cruise control. Yeah. With with the other games, uh, I think people try to to mix it up and make it visually interesting, or kind of slow it down, or or make it a little off speed. So you know, on the right shot of Munster's when it actually uh, it goes vertical and it goes up you know kind of like that uh, stern jack the monkey shot yeah uh, and it just it's different but I like that I, I like that it just gives my eyes something to look at
0: well I like that it you weren't worried as much of it rejecting men it just it hit that ramp and it flipped and it came right back to you that right yes. ramps just it's awesome
2: yeah there always seems to be that one ramp in uh, in at least a George gomez game. Where it's not super steep, but it's so long that if you don't get enough velocity, it'll go halfway up and then come screaming back to you.
0: Yeah, the katana shot, Deadpool left ramp on uh, uh, Monster Bash, just to name a couple.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, that that left ramp on Monster Bash is challenging, but uh, you know, again, for a better player, it's probably more automatic. So I guess well, I need to get better.
0: And the other, the other game that I was really enjoying that night was Guardians of the Galaxy, another John Borg game. Man, that is a fantastic game. My only complaint is, is I cannot find the nebula shot. That's the left ramp, but it's so tight on the, it's so far up on the beginning of the flipper. I I almost mentally have to prepare myself to shoot that shot because it's, it's not typically where a ramp is, but it's, it's a nice shot, but it, I'm enjoying that game as well. Once I'm starting to understand it and everything, I, I would like to have a Guardians at my home. There's plenty of depth there. And m- my only complaint about the game is the callouts. But then again, um, there's a couple people that have made the movie callouts as part of something that you can download to the software. So, beautiful game.
2: I think that's the challenging thing. When you get into modern licenses is that it's... There are so many, I don't want to say hands out because that sounds a little dismissive, but I think there's a level of expectation of, okay, well, this is the movie thing. And before they could do a dot matrix or do some, uh, you know, some generic call outs. But when you see a movie and you have the video screen back there, people expect to see, oh, well, I'm going to get clips from the movie and I'm going to get uh, speaking parts and I'm going to get all these other things. Well, all that takes money and each actor is is really entitled to their their share, which is why you don't typically get a, a, a call-outs from 10 different actors. You get one person doing a lot of call-outs and it kind of limits what you can do with the code uh, and the clips. And so I understand how people will do it after market to, uh, to set it up, but I – You know, finding different locations on the shot, I think that's where the elite players are different than you or me. is because they take a shot and it bricks and they say, okay, mentally, I need to flip that button just a split second earlier or a split second later, and then I can dial in that shot. That's what makes them elite. For me, I just keep bricking the same shot and (laughs) thinking, oh, the game feels clunky.
0: I know what you mean. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. but. Well, and another excited thing, while I was playing pinball there with you that night, I don't know if it's exciting. It scared the crap out of me. My wife calls and says, uh, everything's all right, which, you know, when you first get that statement, something bad's coming after that statement. <laughs> and she, yeah. she said she's in contractions. My wife's 26 weeks pregnant at this point, and I'm freaking out because I'm three hours away. She's like, they got me shut down. Don't worry about it. But threw me for a loop in the middle of our pinball night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. gone well, one night. We were
2: doing a tournament. So you could have left, but yes, uh, it's – yeah, the, the whole – but you were staying the night in Salt Lake at the time. So, yeah. Correct, But yeah. The, the whole um, – when you get a call from your your family says, don't freak out, you're just like, okay, what's going on?
0: But, yeah, it kind of freaked me out. But she was, she was good. I got home. She was fine. But yeah. uh, the other thing that happened to me this past week was – and I posted it on our Facebook page. I joined the club of glass shattering – in my hands oh it was not fantastic at all i never want that to happen again
2: well it was pretty
0: sure i I guess yeah i guess it was pretty but the weirdest part to me is i've never noticed this and no one's ever mentioned it but after you shatter that tempered glass yeah uh it pops like uh like pop rocks you hear it popping if you just sit there and you listen as i was cleaning it up i'm like what is popping i realized it was all the glass i don't know if it's still expanding or what's going on but yeah i would recommend not doing that everyone
2: well, it's tempered glass and so actually the fracture lines what it does is when it fractures it ends up just crumbling the whole thing because it it breaks in such a way that there's no sharp edges and so it has predictable fracture patterns so yeah once you start it it just keeps going
0: yeah it just kept going and going and going man it just yeah. it sucked and one of my friends said he's gonna be clean you're gonna be cleaning that up for the next two years. I'm still finding pieces. Yeah. Yeah. It's everywhere. But let's move on to some news from this week. Um, everyone's been talking about the new Stern title that could be released, uh, not at TPF. I know Stern's marketing is usually like two weeks after TPF. And the prediction is, Oh, I want to say it's a gaming convention. Sorry. Don't shoot me. It's sometime in April. Um, Canada is the one that brought it up because he said if if they line up the schedule like they did it last year, it'll be be done at that event, and they're talking about Steve Ritchie's game. It's either gonna be Black Knight three thousand or High Speed three. Which one do you think it's gonna be?
2: We talked about this last episode where what it, there's got to be a theme that kind of draws people in, and so if it's uh, another high speed slash getaway. Um, game or like a Black Knight uh, 3000 or or something along those lines. I think that's all in. that's great, except will that work for the mass market? Because again, you're not just trying to sell for the pinball enthusiast. Because if you were just selling for the pinball enthusiast, something like Dialed In would actually have sold more, even though Dialed In has actually sold a good amount. But it doesn't have the thing that's going to draw people in um, who aren't pinball people, if they're going to the movie theater and they see a game over there, they're like, oh, well, should I do that? Will will people be more likely to go in and put a quarter in, uh, you know, ACDC or an Aerosmith or a Black Knight 3000 or a Getaway? I, I, I'm not really sure. And I guess that's where we're trying to um, find out what the market demands. But either way, if it's Steve Ritchie game, you know it's going to shoot really well.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and... The only other thought process I have on this is we are at a point where people are buying Attack for Mars, Medieval Madness, Monster Bash for location, but then again, those gameplays on those games do lend very well to the general public. Sure. So um, I know that Tommy has, uh, from this flipping podcast, has been operating his Monster Bash, and he says it's been doing well out on location there in Indiana. So I just I don't know if theme. Th- <sighs> theme is, it's like trying to find a new girlfriend, I guess.
2: Right. Well, it's what catches
0: your eye, but the gameplay is what wants you to stay in the relationship for longer.
2: Well, it's, it's the same thing as having, um, like you get used to, uh, what worked before. And so you get risk averse where, um, you know, they were trying to do different things and then really from like 2010 on they said you know what let's just lock into movie licenses and bands and if you look at stern that's really what they've they've sold and the only outlier is mustang a car one yeah but everything else has been in those two genres and so it's worked really well for them they it brought pinball back from the grave and they were able to uh get a lot of uh a lot of play then um you know, uh, then JJP came out with an original theme. Now it's an original theme, but it's done by a very well-known designer in Pat Lawler, and so in some ways, it's although it's an original theme, it's still a themed game. It's a Pat Lawler game. Yeah. So is this going to be like, yeah, it could be an original theme, fine, but it's still a Steve Ritchie game. Um, I think that as long as people are having fun, having that fun factor that Works for uh, entry level players and experienced players, I think you're going to have a su- success. Oh, I agree. There also has to be a reason people want to buy the game. And do you remember when Dialed In was released? I watched the, I, I wasn't at the uh, expo, but I watched the release party and you could just feel a thud that people just looked at it and said, I don't get this. But then there was that. A thread on Pinside where the guy posted and says, I played dialed in and it's great. And yeah. it really shocked people about that. So I, I don't know. I, I guess that uh, if I were better at predicting the future, then I'd be a millionaire. But I, I think that you need to try to predict themes that people are going to want before they want them.
0: Well, and and the thing with dialed in, I kind of wonder if it has to do with the name too. It, I mean, that game revolved around Quantum City. I was wondering why they didn't just name it Quantum City. I know that. Yeah. Um, I know that they wanted to push the whole cell phone concept, but I don't know. I still think it would have been a better idea to go Quantum City. But I, hey,
2: what I, do I you think doing? they should have. I think they should have changed it to Quantum City, and or you know, or, or Electric City, or Electric Company. I, I don't know what. I think the name, yes. Uh, the name, and uh, I, I think admittedly, the art direction felt a little too retro and not retro in like a total nuclear annihilation cool. It felt kind of like a um, the, the art was done by a grandpa who's trying to be cool.
0: <laughs> I, I could kind of see that. But,
2: but I, it, it's such a great game. I love playing the game. And I think it's been kind of a slow burn in the pinball community where people will all will say yeah it's a great game but i don't know of anybody who would walk by it and say that's a that's a great looking game yeah i want to put a quarter in that
0: well i wanted to talk about one more thing that i don't see anyone else talking about and maybe it's because it might be just trolling at this point but the next title after steve Ritchie's is going to be a vault um that's how if we follow the stern timeline The Vault was released in May, I want to say, of last year, and that was Star Trek. Um, But John Borg just changed his background picture on Facebook to the two ladies of Tron. Do you think this is a sign, or is he just trolling us, that Tron's going to be the next Vault?
2: I think they'll always play coy. Um, But if you look at it from a manufacturing standpoint, Stern has always said, We're manufacturers, right? That that's, they're there to sell games and to keep the line moving.
0: True. Yeah.
2: So if you look at historically, um, let's just go back to 2000. Okay. The death of Williams and Stern's the only uh, player, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. What are the games that people say? I wish that were available and I'll guarantee only two come up. Which two?
0: Lord of the Rings and Tron.
2: Exactly. And so if you are stern, you are going to go where the money is. I mean, what, okay, you also have to look at if not that, which one?
0: Well, the problem with Lord of the Rings is the system's old enough that it's not on the line anymore. They don't produce the White Star system at all. Right. And so logically Tron makes sense because it's still a Sam system and they're making Star Treks with the Sam system still in them So
2: also Tron is cheaper yes it is I, so if you're gonna say okay well it's not going to be Tron great which one are they gonna make because Lord of the Rings yes and, and yeah the, the vault editions tend to be in the premium category so you're looking around you know seven 000, eight thousand dollars. But it would take a lot more effort to get a vault um, Lord of the Rings up off the ground just from uh, finding if you're going to put the figures on there, whether or not you're going to do that, manufacturing the Balrog, manufacturing all the little components in that. It's kind of a complicated game. What is there on Tron?
0: The spinning disc. I mean, that's the thing about Tron is they would have to add stuff. You can't just leave Tron the way it is and sell it for... 5,500 that's my opinion you just can't iron man
2: vault edition was uh, like i own the iron man vault edition and there's very little difference between that and the standard and it's a great game and so i think that what are they going to do are they going to make eye candy i if if you really look at so pretend like you're stern okay okay and you're like okay so i want to make a vault edition on tron what would you do
0: honestly at this point i would if it were me maybe change the art package just because it's a little dark and a little basic and call it good
2: yeah so here here's what i would do i would update the art package so do something really great grip get one of your three artists that you love and your go-to and figure out how you're going to dial that in um, yes. and then you're going to make it look like um one of these customized trons out there so the Tron that I have is ultra-customized. If you've actually seen the Buffalo Pinball guys stream their Tron, I made the same Tron. And so it has lighted wire forms. It has great-looking bikes. It has a, a Flynn's Arcade sign. It has the little, um, you know, it has the arcade over the scoop, the the nice one, not the not the one that looks like it came out of a 50-cent a uh, gumball machine. Yeah, I know um, what you mean, yeah. And you're gonna do that, but really that's not expensive. No, like it's not. Making something pretty is not expensive. What's expensive is a functional toy. Yeah. And you don't have to put any functionality in Tron to make it sell. Because if you if you have a, a you know a, a better sound package, if you have a better, you know, I don't want to say a better light show, but a more integrated light environment and you have a CRISPR art package, it will sell. Yep. And it'll sell a lot because they. Tron was the first game after JJP announced Wizard of Oz where Stern said, okay, we need to step it up. Yeah, And that's really where they started really kind of crank it up is the, kind of that ACDC Tron era where they said, okay, this is our wake-up call. We need to do better.
0: Well, my only complaint with Tron is really the basicness of not even the artwork, but even the inserts are very basic.
2: Yes. It, it looks early. Um, I would say it looks, it looks like a 1990s type game where you can tell something's going to happen in the future, but you can see the Genesis of it in Tron. Correct. Yeah. But if they, if they updated the art package and made it a little flashier, made the light show, I mean, they would sell a thousand of those.
0: No, I agree, man. I I don't understand why they haven't made it yet. And may they're just may they're waiting for the hobby. I mean the hobby is prime right now. May it wasn't a year a year ago.
2: Well, and I don't know. I, I, I think that you could also argue what uh like what were they making last year and did they have as much of a lag in the uh in the schedule? Because they probably pumped out I don't know, a few hundred uh, Star Treks. Yeah. And you could still buy Star Trek. And so they pumped out a few hundred of them, but it kept the line going because they're a manufacturing company. So maybe even last year they said, look, we don't have the time to do a Tron Vault edition right now. So we are just going to do something that, yeah, we can sell a few hundred of these and people will will pay extra for them. But I think it's ready to have that big vault release and so it, the, the argument i'm always going to go back to is if not tron then what and do you think yeah. they're going to release monopoly big buck hunter no Wheel of fortune they'll, they'll actually feel finish the code
0: yeah we're not no, getting any of
2: those <laughs> you yeah you're going to sell five of those but go where the money is i mean that that's what they're going to do
0: stern knows man they know how to make money um there's a reason they've been in business longer than everyone else right now at this point so moving on though let's let's go over to chicago gaming company the news is while monster bash was delayed and whatnot they were actually working on cactus canyon and cactus canyon is being ready to be shown at texas pinball festival and not only that supposedly they got the original software designer to complete the rest of the software for cactus canyon
2: would you like a Cactus Canyon? I mean, let, let's just, just pretend. Of all the games they could make, would would you want that I mean, as the fourth one?
0: As the fourth, out of everything else?
2: What what would you want?
0: I don't know, to be entirely honest. At this point, they've kind of made all the ones I want. Medieval right. Madness, Attack for Mars, Monster Bash. I mean, those are the, the, the Holy Trinity. I don't know what you want to call it. But um, Cactus Canyon, to me... Is Attack from Mars? It is Medieval Madness. It's the same rules, just cowboy style. You're you've got five main objectives. You're trying to complete. You complete those by hitting certain ramp shots and certain orbits so many times. Um, the the Banderos or whatever they're called. That's your castle. I don't know. And it it. I I didn't grow up in the forties and the fifties and the sixties watching Westerns. I know Westerns were huge. They were, I know the superhero movies are the superhero movie or they're the big thing right now. Westerns were the big things during the sixties and the seventies. Right.
2: Yeah. Basically Westerns to them are superheroes to us.
0: Correct. And so it just, it doesn't appeal to me theme wise. I do enjoy the humor that is there and I like the whole shooting, the bad guy and whatnot. But it's not a game that I'm gonna say, I need that in my collection right now. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. I, I think it's from a business standpoint, I think they could say, well, it sells for this amount. You know, however, there's there there are two factors that go into the price of a game. And one is demand and the other is supply. And yep. with Cactus Canyon, I it was just blown off the line. They just said, you know what? We're just we're just putting out what we have, and then we're putting everything into Pinball Two Thousand, and so there just hasn't been that many out there. So, man, I raise your hand if you've played a Cactus Canyon other than on the pinball arcade.
0: That's the only place I've played it. That's the problem.
2: Have you ever said, "Wow, I want to go back to that"?
0: Ever since they announced that they were making it, I've I've yeah. went back to play it to see what what I would be getting essentially.
2: Now I will say admittedly and i've said this before it's not my game but is there a market for it because i'm sure they've done a lot of market analysis and they've tried to say well okay this is what we do and so yes is there possibly one see for me from uh i would actually i would remake whitewater because the price is going up in whitewater yeah and the demand i think works really well like there are enough white waters out there but you know it's kind of like lord of the rings lord of the rings still hovers around six grand but you don't think someone would pay 7500 for a vault oh i lord of the rings i think they would with better art with better speakers and that hasn't been routed for 15 years or at least uh, you know at least five years um and i think the same thing with uh if you had like a white water, I would do a white water. I think you could sell a lot more of them but I guess we'll see I mean, they'll see how many they can sell of those I, they sold uh, what uh, uh, 1250 LEs on uh, Monster Bash?
0: I don't think they? those are all sold out yet but yeah I mean they're they're <laughs> obviously feeling confident to go high enough on those numbers okay.
2: They're not gonna make twelve thousand or uh, 1250 le's of cactus canyon like they could but that's the only release then because i just don't see selling 1200 of them
0: correct well and the interesting part to me too is is the second rumor with chicago is they're coming out with an original license after this game so are they going to put the rest of the games on back burner that they were going to make are they getting in the business now of making original games
2: maybe i i don't buy too much that they're doing original games why would you you have a, you have a back catalog of greatest hits. Um, make the greatest hits. Y- you can make money with that. And it, I, I think that, um, it's possible they could do, but no one's heard anything about their designer. No one's heard anything about the coder yeah. or their artist or anybody who's really working behind the scenes. So I think that's a smokescreen. I would be surprised if they came out with uh, an original theme.
0: I, I wouldn't. And here's the reason. Um, your your remakes or your business money, your original themes could become your funny money. It could be the testing the waters kind of thing. You know you're making good money on your original theme or on your remakes. Why not take a chance and uh, go out there and see if you can? Because uh, is the other thing too is Chicago Chicago gaming has an expiration date on their remakes. There's only so many remakes you can make before it becomes time that you do need to start making original tiles. You might as well put one out between your two remake titles and see what happens
2: yeah and and that's fair i I think that's fair i i just i would suspect we would hear more about their development but maybe they're keeping it closed yeah who knows
0: very tight-lipped
2: i so i i just don't see it happening but if it does hey more pinball's good
0: yep well we're a little bit over the hour mark i think it's time for us to wrap it up before we go is you got any closing thoughts for us scott
2: I'm looking forward to uh, what's going on at Texas. Uh, I wish I were going this year. Uh, it just didn't uh, didn't really work in my schedule. Um, but I am looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to the Solid Gaming Con, and I'm probably looking forward to Rocky Mountain Pinball, too. Those are the two shows that are closest to us. S-
0: same here. I'm excited for Texas. I want to see what happens not only at Texas, but two weeks after. <laughs> exactly. But, man, time flies when we start doing these podcasts, but... Um, I don't know. I'm having fun with them. I appreciate all the people that have been reaching out, that have been talking to us, uh, all the support we've been getting. It's just, it's been fun. You know, well, we started middle or middle of January. I never thought we would have gotten to this point. I just did as a goof off thing, but we appreciate yeah. it. So, yeah. Thank you to all of our listeners. And if you have any questions or comments, comments, you can contact us uh, at loserkidpinballpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Facebook at Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. Uh Scott and I are both individually on Facebook if you want to reach out that way as well. We'd love to hear from you. Uh questions, comments, concerns, whatever. We'll take them there. So um I guess it's time to say adios, my buddy.
2: Adios. See you in two weeks. All
0: right. Sounds good, man. Bye.